You're listening to The Weird Sisters, Harry Potter Reread, Episode 38. On today's show, we discuss Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, Chapters 19, 20, and 21. Hello and welcome to The Weird Sisters. I'm Danielle. And I'm Allison. Uh, and we are back with uh, the Order of the Phoenix. We pick up with more DA talk. Yes, they've actually been meeting. People don't suck. People don't suck, yes. <laughs> you might survive 20 seconds with Lord Voldemort now. Yeah, probably. And Hermione has arranged, fixed this problem of meeting times. Yeah, which is clever, apparently. It is clever. I was impressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, as was everyone else. Well, yeah, because she apparently did some fancy spell that she's not supposed to be able to do. Yes, with the, the fake galleons and the changing of the the time and date on the galleons. Okay, but she's like, when Harry changes it, so I think it would be that anyone could change it then, technically. Because it wasn't, Harry didn't have a special coin, they all took one from the basket. They just know that Harry's the only one that can... Oh, you think someone's going to troll him? <laughs> just saying I think they could. Okay. Um, yeah. Though, uh, somewhat uncomfortably, she said that she got this idea from the dark mark on the Death Eaters. Yeah. Yeah. Which, okay, I can see that. But she does point out that she chose not to give them all permanent tattoos. So maybe that wasn't quite as evil. Right. This is true. Though I'm, I was a little nervous. Like, what if you accidentally lose it or spend it? <laughs> I don't know. What do they have to spend money on? That's true. I guess only Hogsmeade weekends, really. They don't have, like, a little... You know, like, when you go to camp, they have a little corner store where you can buy snacks? That store would make a killing if they had it on campus. Right? How is that not a thing? Or, okay, you know, it's like boarding school. They need a little a little coffee cart. I guess it's we're in England, so it can be a tea cart. You know? With a little house elf manning it? That would be adorable. <gasps> Dobby! <laughs> it could be his business! <laughs> As a free oh. elf? Yes! Oh, I want that. <laughs> when he's wearing a tea cozy on his hat head? Yes! <laughs> okay, this needs to happen. <laughs> well, this does bring up when people are praising how clever she is, that, you know, you should have been in Ravenclaw, Hermione. Yeah, Which I think never... is the first time this is voiced in the books. Yeah, I don't think we've really heard, you know, obviously we got Harry's conversation with the hat, but we... We don't really talk about anyone else, or even folks that we really know, um, about their ultimate placement. Yeah. I think we read somewhere at one point on Pottermore, I think Hermione was close. Like, it took a pretty long time, and she might have been close to a hat stall, which is like over five minutes, I think. McGonagall was a hat stall. Oh yeah, I remember that. Well, wait, how does it? But how does it? That just means it takes over five minutes. Yeah, I mean, okay. 
it the hatch just doesn't burst into flames because it no. can't decide. No. But, yeah. So, I mean, do we agree with the choice, though? I think so. Hermione, especially, Na- Hermione is pretty, excuse the expression, ballsy. <laughs> right? She's come into it a little bit more. Yeah, she's got that, like, remember, we remember her, like, first year with her hand insistently in the air. Like, that that is her, right? She's ready mm-hmm. to tell you how it is. Yeah, and she's, I mean, clearly she independently studies and knowledge for knowledge's sake and all of that, but it's not like she's working on, well, I was going to say she's not working on, like, weird side projects in her own little world kind of deal, besides maybe Polyjuice Potion in the bathroom. Yes. She's perhaps more, um, I don't know if this is fair to Ravenclaws, but, like, give the impression of, yeah, like, Ravenclaws being more academic, Mm -hmm. whereas Hermione has the chops, but she's perhaps more interested in his practical application. I don't think that, as a Ravenclaw, (laughs) that Ravenclaws don't care about the practical application, but I think maybe sometimes it's just more... Maybe, I don't know, tunnel vision or focused. Um, maybe not seeing some of the whole picture. But I'm I'm just kind of making this up right now. Okay. So. Well, I don't think Hermione would be happy as an academic. She wants to make a difference, right? Yeah. She wants to do spew or something. Do spew. <laughs> yes. That's what her t-shirt says. Do spew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, but the DA is like our bright spot in an otherwise sad existence of a land where Umbridge exists and where they have a lot of homework. Yes, except for McGonagall, who has given them a break from homework because they need to win the stupid Quidditch match. Yeah, this is a very uncharacteristic move, except McGonagall really loves Quidditch and as we also know used to be the star Quidditch player yeah well all of her uncharacteristic moves are Quidditch related (laughs) the getting Harry on the team and everything yeah she gets all fired up yeah so but this is gonna be okay Ron has got to play yeah and things yeah things have been going better in practice and he had a spectacular save, except there was that little part where that was actually an accident. Where he fell off his broom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't really have nerves of steel. No. So, I mean, I don't know that we ever get a discussion of Ron and his Gryffindor status. Yeah. Because he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't have that. I mean, he is the one in the seventh book that runs away. Yes. I mean, I mean, he comes but Ron's back. cowardice, Ron's cowardice is all about his own, like, personal angst or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not that he wouldn't stand up for someone or is even, like, terrified of, I don't know, like, harm, like, like physical harm. Mm-hmm. He's terrified of emotional harm. <laughs> well, I mean, I think he partially, in the end, 
like he's worried about his family too that's part of it it's like we don't have a plan and my family's in danger kind of deal or is here it's just like oh my gosh people are going to be looking at me and I might suck (laughs) yes he does not want to suck I I think I already said this but I feel you Ron I have performance anxiety around that (laughs) (laughs) yeah and of course no one ever helps Ron out because we show up to the Quidditch match and I guess the Slytherins have invented a charming song complete with badges yeah well Weasley is our king I mean they're all about him if he's gonna look like a doof this (laughs) (laughs) and let all the goals in yeah that's rough it is clever and yeah I mean, insightful, knowing that that would get to him. That's true. They knew what they were about. But still unfortunate. Yeah, and it goes basically about as you'd expect in that Ron plays terribly, but Harry saves the day. Yeah, he was... I don't think he made any saves, did he? Maybe one? It was a pretty elaborate Quidditch commentary. I was... I did enjoy it. He doesn't do very well. He lives in a bin, too. That's part of the song. Yeah. We don't need to read the song. That's sad. <laughs> um, yeah, and so Harry, of course, in dramatically outreaches Malfoy for the mm-hmm. snitch. Also, Crab, which, you know, maybe... Oh, I was just going to say Crab and Goyle are on the team now, too. Because we don't know that many Slytherins. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, we don't know any other Slytherin, so whatever. So they win, but, you know, it's not a very good time. No. And then there's this, oh, this was just annoying. So they're all just hanging out, and Malfoy starts insulting. I mean, the Weasleys mostly, and their family, and their mother. So Fred and George are getting upset. Yeah. And then he says something about Harry's mother. And so then Harry decides to punch him. Not not exactly rising above there, Harry. <laughs> and then, what? Is it either Fred or George getting the fray? One of them is held yes. back, but one of them is in there. Yes. And so then this fight then, of course, gets them dragged off and sent to McGonagall's office. Yeah, McGonagall is none too pleased. And I, okay. I was like, alright, they're being dumb. McGonagall's gonna set them straight. And in, you know, in reading this chapter, like, I had temporarily suspended in my mind, forgotten all kind of the horror, you know, going on outside of this. And so then all, when I read Hem... Him. I was like, are <laughs> you kidding me? <laughs> like, I had forgotten that she existed, basically. And I was like, oh, oh it was a happy world, gosh, briefly. no. It was a terrible, terrible moment. Yeah, she's got another educational decree for us. Oh, oh, this is when it just gets to, ter- <laughs> oh, I can't, I, uh. Are you going to be all right there? (laughs) So educational decree number 25 
says that the High Inquisitor has supreme authority over all punishments, sanctions, and removal of privileges. So, McGonagall's overruled. Harry, Fred, and George now have a lifetime ban from Quidditch. This is so unreasonable, I can't stand it. (laughs) You must stand it. And, well, she says, you know, I realized I need this power after you overruled me to get the Gryffindor Quidditch team reformed. And look, look at this. I knew they were these ruffians or what have you. Yeah. This is this is not gonna go well. Do you think wait, what was um was Umbridge do we know her house? Did she go to Hogwarts? I gotta find this out. Let's see if the, the internet be a knows. Hey now. It's very stereotypical. She's got all that like pack loyalty and will be sly about things. Oh, she is the daughter of a wizard and a muggle. Miss Pure Blood Crusade. <laughs> you know, we should actually read this this Umbridge article sometime. Oh, really? On Pottermore. Well, it's kind of long. But I can't just from scanning it see that what her house is if they list it. So maybe we, I don't know, when we have another freaking Umbridge chapter, we'll I'm read that. I'm sure she's in most of the upcoming chapters. Shut Actually, up! Maybe not next week if we're on break. But. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe she, she has some secret beef with Gryffindors. Likes to make their lives miserable. I can't. You can be okay there. You I seem am. very angry. It's very upsetting. Okay. Harry actually seems more chill about this than you'd think. Well, he sort of already fought his battles and lost with Umbridge. Yep. At least he doesn't have to do detention again. That's true. So then our next chapter is Hagrid's Tale. Hagrid finally comes back. Yeah, it's supposed to be our bright spot here. Yeah, except Hagrid comes back a little worse for wear. <laughs> he is all a mess. Which, you, we remember why he's a mess, yes. right? Yeah. We had this conversation already. But mostly but. only because he already told me. Because <laughs> he's been dealing with his yeah. his brother. But we won't we don't get to that quite yet. So Hagrid tells us all about what he's been up to with Madame Maxime searching for the giants. They weren't using a lot of magic to get there because they were being followed. Uh yeah, also alarming. He tells us that, like, of course muggles run into giants, and they always die, and we just say it was an accident in the mountains. Well, there are a lot of people that die doing that. Well, now I'm worried about giants. Well, don't go <laughs> hiking, I guess. Or bring them a really sweet gift. Unfortunately, I don't have magical gifts. But, but the giants aren't doing too well either. They've apparently been forced together and are killing each other. Yeah, there's not that many left. And they stay together for protection, but then they just kill themselves. Apparently giants are isolationists. Their social policies probably aren't the most (laughs) thoroughly thought out. But 
So they get there, and Dumbledore's told them what to do is to go to King of the Giants, the Gurg. Gurg. What a great name. Yeah, it is a good name. And offer gifts. Magical gifts. Magic, yes. They like magic, just not when it's used against them. Well, sure, because they can't do magic. Yeah, it's a bit insulting. Don't need to rub it in, basically. (laughs) But how... So they're naturally part of the magical world because they're not muggles? You know, that's interesting. So, I guess, like, the other magical creatures we know have, well, they're not allowed wands by wizards, have their own sort of magical powers, right? Like, goblins? I guess, do goblins have magical abilities? They're just... I mean, they talk about being denied a wand, so presumably they do. Like, could they produce magic? But... But what you know, wands are so very European. Other folks do magic without wands. It's just less controlled or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not sure. I guess because they're mythical, the giants get classified as because they're not real. They're magical. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's maybe we'll have more perspective in the new upcoming Fantastical Beasts movie, but. I mean, there's said to be, like, there's specific magical plants and magical animals, from bow truckles to giants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You wonder how all of those animals keep the statute of secrecy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, they were offering these gifts to the Gurg. Things were going kind of well. Then he got his head ripped off. Yeah, that wasn't good. There was a riot, a revolt, an uprising. <laughs> and the new Gurg doesn't want any part of their gift giving. Yeah, he was going to take them and eat them, or whatever giants do. <laughs> <laughs> because they spot Death Eaters coming to visit the new Gurg. Yeah, so what are the Death Eaters offering this new Gurg that he's in line within. Just because they... Did they incite his rise to power? I think you could assume that. Right? Seems reasonable-ish. So... They don't leave, even though they clearly can't go back to the camp. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, wait, we missed a bit, an important part. Yeah, he wants to eat them, so Madame Maxine defends them with her wand. Oh, yeah. So that is not going to please the giants. Nope. So, but then they still are hiding out in the caves and attempting to visit some of the Giants that have fallen out of favor with the new leader. A.K.A. the ones that got beat up. Yes. The ones that got beat up. Uh, But wait, why does that end? Well, they're like making some progress a little bit. You know, they're like, we might have got six or seven on our side. And then the new Gurg goes and like raids the caves 
don't know if he kills some of them or what, but now everyone's too afraid. Yeah. So, at least the way Haggard tells it, they've come back with no giants. Well, maybe a few. You never know. They might show up, surprise you. Yeah, like this one I tied up and brought back with me. Shh, don't tell. <laughs> yeah, but all of that was mostly for naught. Yeah, although we do learn that Haggard's mother is dead. Okay, wait, so... His dad is a wizard then, right? Yes. He got together with a giant. How however that works. However that worked. And then she ran off to go back and be with the giants. I suppose. He's like this man is too small. <laughs> this house is too <laughs> tiny. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they if she ever lived with them or not. Well, I mean, they had a child. I know, but maybe he just, like, caught it and she was off. <laughs> well, maybe she was never around. Well, we'll live in... You gotta imagine Haggard's dad is a strange dude. Oh, yeah. It's too bad he's Very dead. eccentric, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah. Anyway, after we get told this tale, of course, Umbridge shows up at the door. Again, just that, oh, insides churning. Yeah, she's gross. And Hermione, of course, is trying to warn Hagrid about, she's doing these inspections. This is a problem. You need to take it seriously. Yeah, but ha Hagrid is unwilling to accept such advice. I mean, yeah. in part because it's Hagrid and he doesn't care, but he also hasn't been there to sort of see what's been going on. Yeah. And, you know, he, not only, he doesn't understand, I don't think, that Dumbledore's influence has waned. Right, he didn't even know about Harry's over the summer and the trial and all of that. Yep, he's been out of touch. So then in our final chapter, The Eye of the Snake, we get that inspection. Well, but it was... Uh, he actually had a good lesson, though. I know, but it didn't even matter that he had a good lesson. because yeah, she... This is terrible. She, like, plays him up to be this oaf who doesn't speak English. Yeah. Because he's a half-breed, right? Ow! Oh, this is so infuriating. <laughs> yeah. So she's writing whatever she wants down in her stupid little book. And, of course, talking to Malfoy. Well, Haggard's actually teaching them about Thestrals. Yeah. Harry is finally reassured that he's not crazy. <laughs> Uh, until, well, until like the end of this chapter, then it'll be well, crazy yes. again. But there are these horse-winged dragon creatures. They do exist. Uh -huh. And he, only a few can see them. Yep. Including Neville. Wait. Yes. Including Neville. 
But that was because he saw his grandfather yes. die, I think. Okay. There was was there anyone else? else? Well, at least one other person. Okay. And well, Luna's not in the class, but Luna can see them because she saw right. her mother die. Yeah. That's sad. And Hagrid's tamed them. They're like his pets. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of thing Hagrid would do. He said he probably has the only domestic herd in Britain. <laughs> yeah. I, um, of course. Of course he does. Well, okay. Hagrid, well, perhaps having some oversight in his <laughs> personal abilities is actually talented with animals. Well, yeah. I don't think anyone's doubting that. It's just sometimes he doesn't know where to draw the line. Well, I think the where he draws the line is probably just fine for him, a half giant. Maybe not so fine <laughs> for everyone else. Uh, oh, okay. And then we get the very... Ex oh, wait. Okay, I don't know where this was. I'm sorry. I didn't write it down properly. But I, I do remember noticing we skipped I Halloween. I noticed that too. Because there's a line about, like, the end of October and, yeah, and the into November. What the heck? Yep. I don't know. We're throwing off our, our patterns here. What? Was she distracted when she wrote this? <laughs> I don't know. What should have she put on Halloween? I don't know. Haggard could come back yeah. on Halloween. That'd be fine. Something. It could be like a, yeah. We didn't even oh. acknowledge it. It's a feast. We didn't even have our feast. Yeah, they didn't have a good time or anything. Right. No good times for them. Umbridge probably canceled the Halloween feast. <laughs> I just, it's very bizarre. Maybe, then I was like, do we get it next year? I don't know. Is this like the, the symbolic shift from our isolated, insular Hogwarts existence? Two, no fun. <laughs> Entering the no fun zone. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, certainly the structure of the later books is different than the earlier ones, but. Yep. No Halloween. I feel like wizards should dress up at Halloween. As muggles? <laughs> no. Well, we dress cool up as stuff. wizards. Well, okay, some, not everyone, some people can dress as muggles, but that's, like, very low effort, I feel like. What would they dress up as? Magical things. Dragons, there'd be a lot of dragons. Oh. And griffins, and, I don't know. Some point in really poor taste would dress up as the Dark Lord. <laughs> maybe they're just not into such things. I guess. They're, maybe they're not informed about that part of Halloween. So, okay, then more holiday talk, speaking of Halloween. We're going home for Christmas? I can't believe this. <laughs> Hermione is going home to her family for a vacation. A skiing holiday. Which amuses Ron. Yes. She's going home. Do we home? Okay, now here's my question. I have no idea the answer to this. Does she end up actually going home? Yes, because Harry does go to the burrow, doesn't he? Yes, but does she also come because of the things that happen? 
Oh. I don't know. I really don't. I'm just like, oh, does Hermione really go skiing? Now you're making me think there is something about like, well, but what about skiing kind of thing? Oh, I just ditched my parents again. But nonetheless, and I mean, so Hermione's going home and Ron is going home. Ron has also sloughed off his family all of these years. And he's like, no, I'm going home to the borough. Harry's invited. Yes. Yeah. But we have spent every year at the castle. So, okay, maybe actually this is more indicative of our shift, right? Because our adventures and our sort of plot points have always been the happenings. Things are happening at Hogwarts. You know, major, mm-hmm. but not. It doesn't really extend beyond the bounds of Hogwarts most times. This the stone. Sure. I mean, Black was sort of a a bigger issue, but he, what he wanted was at Hogwarts, the Chamber of Secrets. Mm-hmm. Then last year the, the tournament. So now, we don't really have anything to solve at Hogwarts. Our problems are out there in the world. Yes, which is very quickly going to confront us at the end of this chapter. Yes. Um, oh, but in the meantime, this is where our confusion, this is where our confusion about <laughs> Ginny and the Quidditch team stems yes, from. Yes, I'm glad it's all out there now that we were all just so, so wrong. Is that Ginny is replacing Harry now as the Seeker. Because he has a lifetime ban. Yes, we forgot about that she... Because she is the Seeker in this book. It just doesn't happen right away. So, I was sort of right. Yes. So, yes. I kind of... I mean, I wasn't surprised when I read about the lifetime ban. But that wasn't in my head as, oh yeah, that's going to happen. Right, that... Just expires when Umbridge goes away, right? I suppose. Okay. So, yeah, because then the next year Ginny moves to yes. chase her. Yes. So, okay, we've got Ooh, that all sorted only now. only took a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, but now we have to do some kissing. <laughs> it's about time. We're, how? let's see, how old are we? 14? 15? Wait, if you're 11, your first year, then you're 12, then you... Oh, you're 15, yes. This is the fifth book. Yep, 15. Cho, they're in the... Is that after a DA yeah, meeting? Yeah, like the last one before the holidays, and there's mistletoe, and everyone else leaves. There she is, crying. <laughs> yes. Harry's response... She's making Harry feel very awkward. ...was... Sees her crying and says, what's up? (laughs) What's up, Buttercup? Not super helpful, Harry. Okay, but to be fair, Cho, Harry is really only your acquaintance. And you're just, like, going up to him crying? That's also making it pretty awkward on your end. Whatever, they've both liked each other. They've been in DA for a while. So she's crying about Cedric, wondering, like, if he had known all the stuff they were learning in DA, would he have survived? Yeah. To which Harry's like, yeah, actually, you know, all this stuff probably doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, 
you know all this how I was teaching you to defend yourself? Cedric knew all that, and he still kicked yeah. the bucket. Great. Yeah. And then then they're ki- they're kissing, but we don't actually, the kiss is not actually no, written. it's just like she, her getting closer and closer. Yeah, I wonder why. Why is the kiss not actually it's written? It's kind of awkward to write it. I mean, how do you do that well? Well, the way she ta- he talks about it afterwards pretty funny and well. Couldn't she just sort of inserted that well, there? maybe we lose the scene afterwards. I suppose. It works yeah. fine. But, yeah, I did notice yeah, that. It's I was like, like huh. the slow fade to black, kind of. Yes. Um, then this is, it's like a classic so, scene afterwards. Probably made more famous by the movies. Yes. Probably so. But Hermione is, I love how up front she is. She's just like, hmm, so did Cho corner you? Did she kiss you? <laughs> You've liked her for ages, haven't you? <laughs> oh. You know, Hermione doesn't have a lot of good girlfriends to gossip with. Yeah. So she's got to take what she can get. <laughs> well, and then she points out, Cho's been crying everywhere all the time. So this is nothing new. <laughs> you didn't make her cry, Harry. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah, there's some suggestion when he mentioned, he says the kiss was mm-hmm. wet because of the crying. Okay, to me, I would have just not said the crying just, like, part. Wet, sloppy kissing. Or just, just lie a little bit. Come on now. He is too shot to know. <laughs> Yeah, so then Ron suggests that maybe she was crying because she was that terrible <laughs> Which kissing. Which is this moment of like, oh, well, maybe I am. <laughs> but Hermione, of course, explains it yeah. all to them. This is confusing. She likes Cedric. Now she likes you. What does that mean? Is that bad in bad taste? But now I'm kissing you. Yes. And Ron famously says that one person can't feel all those things at once. They'd explode. Which apparently means he has the emotional range of a teaspoon. Well, yes. Doesn't that get brought up again? Or just people quote it so much, I assume it does. Okay. Which, fair enough. You know, I don't think we talked about this. And maybe it was in last chapters, or maybe it was this chapters. I'm very helpful, I know. But there was a very, very tiny scene where Hermione kisses Ron on the cheeks. It was, like, before the Quidditch, I think. Yeah, because he... That seems He was so distracted. He didn't... He was just sort of like, well... Well, but then he said to, like, be wandered off in a daze. I assume that meant from being surprised was, by Hermione. I think he was already in a daze. Okay. See, so you don't think he cared I about Hermione? I think he kind of did, but didn't have See, again, his limited emotional capacity <laughs> didn't have the ability to care <laughs> about that when being mortified about the thought of embarrassing himself in front of the whole school. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, is that an indication that Hermione's beginning to think differently about Ron? 
I just think it's an indication that she's not a child. And when does Hermione start getting the hots for Ron? Um... Well, next book, we're going to have the Slug Club and like they were going to go together or something. Yes. I don't know. I I don't yeah. know when that happens. Exactly. I mean, she's writing Victor at this point. That's true. Maybe she's only doing it because it makes Ron jealous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I... Well, it's certainly not far away. Hmm. I don't... We probably can't really know. We'll just speculate. So then our final scene is Harry having a dream. Yeah. Where he's clearly a snake. So he's Nagini yes. at this point, right? Yes. And Nagini, like, and he's hearing Nagini's thoughts. Oh, yeah, because he's like, oh, stupid person, I want to bite you, but I'm not because going someone, to. Because someone, I think someone's sleeping in the hallway. Yeah, Arthur is sleeping in the hallway. Yeah, okay, good job, Arthur, on guard duty. <laughs> yeah, so, but she's, like, not going to reveal herself but then arthur wakes up so then she has yeah. to bite him and she bites him and as it's like harry is from the perspective of the snake harry feels the visceral nature of biting that is arthur. traumatizing yeah <laughs> to be a snake attack your best friend's dad Feel yourself crushing his ribs and his blood dripping down you. I don't know. I had a dream last <laughs> night, and I killed a bunch of people in this dream, and I did not feel that bad about what? it. <laughs> I think I was a good guy, though. I think I killed a bunch of bad guys. Well, that may still. I am concerned you have no, no moral remorse. <laughs> and two... Harry's dreams are way more vivid. Yes. So then he wakes up and actually, perhaps somewhat surprisingly, immediately recognizes this as something real. Well, I mean, he's been having these sort of corridor dreams prior. And it made a point of describing, like, he was having a very silly um, dream. Mm-hmm. You know, that was clearly fake. And then it changed. And they came feeling as though I am in this other body. Yeah. And in our last chapters, he did sort of make those connections to his scar pain and the details of how Voldemort was feeling. Yeah. And he wakes up and his scar is on fire yeah so he does at least he doesn't dither about with oh is this real or are people gonna think i'm crazy Mm -hmm. i mean probably and largely in part because it's mr weasley so it's not some random person and fortunately neville gets mcgonagall yeah and so like that's where it ends Mm -hmm. I don't know, I think we'll start next chapters seeing Dumbledore. Yeah, for the first time. 
Yeah, I guess that's true. Well, if you won't talk to Harry, you won't talk to us. Okay, so for so we'll start there for our next episode. But we should say the 18th is when the movie comes out. Yeah. So that's in this week. But we're not going to do it next episode, right? Probably not. Okay. So it will probably be the one after that, I would guess, right? Yes. Okay. So you'll have a little bit of time to see the movie. Um, and so we'll probably, won't do it next week, but probably the one after that. And, okay, did you know this movie is going to be five parts? What? Okay, I really have not been reading about this at all, but I just saw some, unless I hallucinated that, some little line. they recently announced that, like, there was going to be a sequel. Okay, well, let's just, let's not spread misinformation. (laughs) Oh, they are releasing the script of the film, too. As a book? As a book. The day after the film comes out. So that'd be something I'd like. I don't, I probably aren't going to sit down and read it right after I read it, but I'd like to own that probably. That's a cool thing to own. I, I think this is fortunate in that, at least I am assuming, it's not really trying to play on the story and the characters that we know. So it has yeah, the potential so- to kind of stand on its own in a universe that we like. You know, but not suffer the comparison or or even trying to live up to a book version. It is its own thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not going to have some of the problems, a lot of the problems that this movie has or that the, the book adaptations right. have. If they do it well. Yeah. That, does that mean it's going to capture the charm and that warm, fuzzy feeling that we have about Harry I mean, probably not entirely because it's probably not going to capture all that warm fuzziness just because, yes, the warm fuzziness has to do with the book, but also has to do with a time and a place and a whole experience around, you know, Mm -hmm. growing up with the books. But it could just be a chance to kind of be in awe of new things and creatures and places and magic. Yeah. I definitely, I feel fairly confident that just sort of as movies, they're going to mm-hmm. be better movies. Oh, okay. And I d- it is five. On I have an October 2016 article from The Verge that's quoting Rawling saying, We always knew it was going to be more than one movie. We set a trilogy as a placeholder. But we've now, I've done the plotting properly. So we're pretty sure it's going to be five. So she's developing storylines these characters to have a broader arc yeah and i mean but only i mean then but you don't get as much development if it's original medium as a movie you're never gonna have that nuance or know those characters as well yeah and it'll be interesting to see like where the arc is like because each film is it five connected stories or how, yeah. like how much overlap is there in I the mean, movies? I mean, obviously each film created as a film will have an a arc within it, a pretty complete storyline. Yeah, which is which is something that becomes a problem when you're doing yes. book adaptations, like The Lord of the Rings or like whatever, or like when they did The Hobbit, like one book or yes. three movies. 
is you have a problem with an, a beginning, a middle, and an end. But I assume this will have, because it's written as a movie, have fairly strong beginning, middle, end. Yeah. Oh. 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 So, yeah, we'll get excited about seeing that. But next time, what are we gonna read? Oh, next time we're gonna read. Oh, these are some heavy things. I think. St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies and Injuries. Maladies? Is that how you Christmas... say that word? <laughs> oh, maladies. Sorry. You're right. Maladies. <laughs> Christmas on the Closed Ward and Oculumency. Oh, boy. So this is going to be 22, 23, and 24. Do you think if we're doing Oculumency, we should, like, read something about Snape? Is this a good time to read about Snape? Are we going to be penetrating his thoughts yet? Probably not. That's, I don't think he penetrates his thoughts right away. Oh, no, later there's one chapter called Snape's Worst Memory. So maybe we'll do Snape then. Um, So, yeah. Oh, did I say what numbers those are? Yeah, we don't. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Like two seconds ago I said it? funny because up until this point, I mean, Snape has had a few bio moments. But he is not the in-house villain. That's totally replaced by Umbridge. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So maybe we're feeling a bit softer well, towards Snape? We've sort of forgotten, perhaps. Hmm. Okay. Well, join us next time for that. In the meantime, have fun if you're going to go see the movie. And you can follow us on Twitter at Weird Sisters Pod. And if you'd like to rate and review us on iTunes, that would be great. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.